Hey everyone, it's Taylor and Brendan from Blue and Gold Make Darlene. They tell you about the Hockey Podcast Network. Goddamn right we are. You know, there's an entire network. It's not just Blue and Gold Make Darlene. There's 31 podcasts, one for every NHL team. From terrible, horrible teams like the Boston Bruins to some of the best teams in the league like the Buffalo Sabres. Absolutely. And with that being said, if it's a terrible team or if it's a great team, no matter what, you are able to get two episodes a week from all of the hosts. New episodes come out every Monday and Thursday with new content covering everything from the latest that's going on with everyone's respective teams all the way through to doing more fun things like the many trivia games that Taylor and I have on our show. That's right. Hot content, hot takes, hot hosts. Hot hosts. You got it everywhere. Uh, and you you can find them pretty much anywhere you find your podcast. Apple, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spotify. Stitcher, if you're one of those weirdos like me that uses Stitcher. You use even, Stitcher? I do. Strange. I think I'm the only one who does. Okay. And even at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com if you're looking for some more info. There's a whole website that's that you right. could go check hey, out. Maybe it's getting to that point of the season where you're getting sick of the Sabres. I know some of us are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this again. West Coast uh, trip is about to be tough. Maybe you want to check in on some of your other favorite teams if you're one of those kind of guys. Absolutely. Well, they're all available and they're all easy to find. Gosh darn right. So be sure to check out the Hockey Podcast Network once again at their website at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. And be sure to follow on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Blue and Gold Make Darlene. As always, I'm Brendan. I'm Taylor. And we are back with uh, another fun special episode since, of course, the the hockey stoppage and the general world stoppage is still going on right now. Uh, Hope everybody's doing okay, though, and again, practicing. We'll we'll be back by Easter. Yeah, right, right, of course. Uh, well, Taylor and I are, are recording remotely today, so unfortunately, I don't have the pleasure of looking at his beautiful face in person. I just have to settle for looking at it over uh, over a laptop. So, how are you, Taylor? How are you holding up with everything? Good, yeah. I mean, I'm getting kind of used to all this. Um, so, but people might be wondering, since we put out feelers for a mailbag, we didn't really get that many responses. Definitely not enough for a full episode. Uh, we did get some good questions about some like long term questions, like big. Right wide-ranging ones about the Pakulas and supporting the team after this kind of year, things like that. And we're not ignoring them. I think we're going to talk about them whenever it is that the end of the season happens, you know, when this passes and we're kind of – assuming the Sabres won't play any more games, I hope. So when that – when this all kind of comes to an end, uh, whenever that is, we'll talk more about that kind of big-picture stuff. Yeah. For now, we have a, a special idea. Yeah, for this so episode. for this one, and then we might uh, potentially do some future stuff with it. But, you know, while we're, you know, looking for, I guess, non-direct current NHL topics, just given the fact that it's not happening right now, um, you know, we were throwing ideas around. And, you know, I guess in the general theme of looking ahead, we thought it could be cool if we uh, did projections for the Olympics. Um, so as we know, the, yeah, we're uh, going this time. what's that? We're going this time. I hope Probably. so. Yeah. It seems, uh, it seems good. It seems, it seems yeah, it seems like it's trending in that direction. As everyone I'm, I'm sure knows, uh, the last Olympics did not have NHL players in it. 
um, which was a bit disappointing, but it's looking like, as Taylor mentioned, it's trending in the right direction right now. So uh, that would be great. And we thought that we may start off with, of course, Team USA. And then in future episodes, we, we were discussing potentially doing, you know, Canada, Sweden, Finland, Russia, like other, other countries, um, just because it'd be kind of fun to do and give us something, I guess, to look forward to and think about. Uh, so we thought, again, though, start off with Team USA. And with that being said, you know, this Olympics is happening in 2022 as compared to, you know, like this year and next. And so um, there needs to be a little bit of projecting involved with this in terms of one, yeah. maybe younger guys who right now wouldn't be on the team, but who you think in two years from now are going to be, you know, kind of moved up through the ranks and made their mark. But also at the other end of that, there are uh, a lot of guys um, with Team USA who, you know, if it was held right now would be no doubt slam dunks to make it. But because it's two years from now, they may be a little bit farther down the line and you don't exactly know how effective they're, they're going to be at that point. Uh, and something interesting, I think, you know, is thinking, and we'll get to that eventually. Um, obviously it affects USA, but something that I kind of thought of while doing research for this is that I think it, the, the age curve is really um, going to affect Canada a bit you know, more than I guess the U S because the U S has a wealth of young players who are coming up through the ranks, not to say that Canada doesn't, but the, the core of Canada's teams, um, you know, over the, the, the past couple of Olympics and really now, and just in terms of like the, the ranking of, of, you know, the higher end Canadian players, they're starting to age out a little bit and starting to get into like, you know, their mid thirties, um, you know, so they're going to be, I think, going through a bit more of a, a transition than USA is, whereas now USA maybe wasn't the most well-performing team, but they just have a wealth of young talent now that is ready to take over. So I'm glad you brought up Canada, because when we talk about the U.S. competing in the Olympics, uh, the last time they really competed on the international stage was the World Cup of Hockey, which, yikes. Yeah. Um, and the 2014 Olympics, they did make the medal round, didn't medal, obviously, they finished fourth, but they kind of got spanked by Canada. Now, they only lost one nothing to Canada, but Jonathan Quick had a pretty good game, and then they got kind of worked in the bronze medal game. So we're obviously trying to come – we're on, well, trying to be on the up and up because really their only strong performance in recent memory was 2010. 2010, yep. Which was really goaltender-driven and not really a reflection of – how good the team was talent wise or coaching or put together. So Canada's the, obviously the team you're, you're going after here as far as like actual best on best tournaments, not whatever was going on at the 2018 Olympics. They won the 2016 world cup of hockey. They won the 2014 gold. They won the 2010 gold. They're very good. Very uh, good. Yeah. And the U S is at least as good and at least as talented as let's say Russia overall, uh, Sweden, Finland, these other countries, that were obviously much larger than uh, we're, it's always kind of a unknown if we're going to actually be able to compete with Sweden or Russia or one of these countries. But really, if, if we're talking about the USA coming back and being a stronger program, they really shouldn't, ha they should not have a problem with those teams. And you could honest, well, and that's what I was going to say is if you look at the team now, you could probably make the argument that just in terms of, talent and depth they're in the best spot that they've been in probably since like the mid nineties. Um, yeah. you know, where you're, you're obviously like LaFontaine, Doug Waite, you have, you know, Keith Kachuk, 
Um, Brett Hall played for them. Brett Hall was there. Chris Chelios. I mean, you know, where you're just – They won the World Cup of Hockey. That's the last time best they've won. Right, which uh, now I think you can certainly say pretty definitively that this is the most talented that they've been and the deepest that they've been in quite a while. And it's interesting that you brought up goaltending before because – you know, we don't have to. We don't have to start with goalies. We can start with forwards. But I think, if anything, goaltending is the one position where it is shut, door closed, game over. You know who the three goalies are going to be. Um, whereas there's, you know, there's could be some debate when it comes to the forwards. There's could be some debate when it comes to the defensemen. But as always, you could probably go into this tournament saying that goaltending is something that you could pretty objectively make a case that the u.s has has the strongest goaltending um there's three guys who i don't know if we want to start with goaltending or we can wait until the end but well before we get to that let's let's show oh yeah we gotta lay the ground rules well no not even just that i was gonna say let's let's show what what the usa will be up against right uh, if they are going to compete with canada because uh craig button of tsn put out what he thinks is a projected roster mm-hmm. uh last month and, oh, boy, you mentioned them getting a little bit older, but wow. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Here's what he has. McDavid centering Jonathan Huberdeau and Nathan McKinnon. Sidney Crosby centering Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron. Mark Scheifele centering Sean Couturier and Mitch Marner. And a fourth line of Braden Point centering Steven Stamkos and Taylor Hall. Extra forward Ryan O'Reilly. And then defensive pairs of Morgan Riley and Alex, Alex Pietrangelo, Thomas Chabot, and Kale McCarr. Josh Morrissey and Dougie Hamilton, and an extra Crystal Tang. Goaltending, a little bit more of a question mark. Jordan Bennington, Carey Price, and Carter Hart. Okay. So when we're putting this together, we have to keep in mind that that's what you're going up against. And right. And in a way, Canada in these tournaments is kind of always the one that just, I mean, they really kind of dictate, you know, I guess how you have to build your roster in a way, because, you know, it's no secret. Like the U S is kind of building like a roster that would beat Canada. That's kind of a little bit of the mentality that you have to have, because, you know, you could have a guy who's maybe like a great two-way player, but in in reality, like, while that's obviously valuable, you need to be a good two-way player to be in the Olympics, but like speed, 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 speed is so huge because I mean, for team Canada, obviously they're an example, but you look at other teams like Sweden or Russia, like, they are fast and you have the, the, um, the wider ice surface. And so, you know, you have more space and you have to take that into account. And so uh, I think that there's a lot of guys, I mean, more so, I guess on the U S you know, who may be really solid in the NHL, but their games may not transfer as well into like the Olympic style of play. And I also just want to kind of take back, I, 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 my point, I guess, still stands in terms of, like, the aging out. But uh, I, I think at least for the 2022 Olympics, Canada's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the problem with this, too, is that Crosby doesn't really seem to be getting older. Mm. And Bergeron should really have already – and he's, got, he's not what he was at his peak. He's aging very well. And Marshawn somehow getting better in his 30s. So <laughs> it's it's – but again, who knows where they're going to be in two years? Like That's you, true. you have your goaltending right now. Like that goaltending, I'm taking USA's goaltending over Canada's a hundred times out of a hundred because obviously 100%. Bennington was solid again, but like still not a big track record there. Carey Price is a prime example of who I'm talking about with these guys who are kind of hitting that aging curve. Um, whereas with Team USA, you are going to have guys two years from now who are firmly in their prime. Yes, and. 
Carter Hart would be their big hope, but I mean, Carter Hart's been like outstanding or anything yet. So we'll see with him. I mean, there's a good chance he's ends up being a great player. He's only 21 right now, I think. So we'll see. But anyway, you want to get to this. What we did was uh, put together teams of uh, four forward lines, two extra forwards, three defensive pairs, an extra defenseman and three goalies. You want to do a coach too? I hadn't really thought about a coach. Yeah, we could do that. I was thinking about that. Yeah, we could definitely do coach. And then on top of that too, after we go through, we're going to discuss, as I said before, the guys who are maybe some of the fringe guys who are in the conversation, but we didn't quite feel as comfortable like definitively placing them in the lineup yet. Yeah, and this will be this will look very different, I think, uh, from previous Team USA's, partially because like a lot of, a lot of players did age out, quote unquote, but. We don't really care about that as much because they weren't all that successful. Right. We're there. Uh, but I think this will reflect both of our teams will probably reflect a change in style. As you're talking about speed there, the, the times USA has, when they beat Canada in 96 in world cup of hockey, uh, that was a very, very talented team that they had. Mm-hmm. They just really kind of relied on their talent when it came to the, the O2 Olympics, they got to the gold medal game. They're still pretty talented, but a lot of those guys were older and they end up losing in the gold medal game. And then 2010, uh, they, they get there again. But as I said, that's really the Ryan Miller show. After that, when they were talking about how to beat Canada in 2014 and in 2016 with the, the World Cup, they tried to build like a heavy team, a team that was like, oh, we're going to slow Canada down with physicality, going to be more gritty. Justin Abdelkader was on the 2016 team. Well, was left off. Yeah, they that's an excellent point. Run. Neither of those teams, 2014 or 2016, can score. The 2014 team had more success, partially because of the, the TJ Oshie shootout, uh, and Jonathan Quick was pretty good. Yeah. But, but there were, like you mentioned, though, there were some notable omissions from that team. Yes. Um, especially considering, like, the whole abdicator thing. You know, at the time, obviously, Kessel was a guy. I mean, that's also back, you know, now it's a little bit different given his contract and where he's at in his career. But, like, Bobby Ryan was another guy who was knocking at the door that year who a lot of people yeah. thought should have made it because you need Can't pure spell goal compete. scores. And I think one thing – what would you say? Can't spell compete. Right. There, see? Yeah. Um, but, and I think another thing, though, that's interesting, one of the main, um, I guess, mechanisms that people use to really compare teams, um, you know, when it comes to the Olympics is how they're built down the middle. And with, you know, this Team USA, this is the best equipped that they have been to really take on Canada, I think, in a while. Because going right down the middle, like you said, with McDavid, Crosby, Shifley, and I forgot who you said the fourth line center. Somebody Green point. Right, yeah, right. And then you could also put like a Sean Couturier in there. Like, so those are guys who are all just ridiculous. And the USA, Team USA has really – you know, even in 2010, when they were right there with them, you know, obviously that very unfortunate overtime goal from Crosby, they were, even though they were right with them, they were not built to, to beat Team Canada in, say, like a seven-game series, you know, something like that, where you yeah. know that you'd be able to take them down. Whereas now, I mean, looking down the middle, not only where these players are at today, but the projection of where they will be two years from now, I think gives me a lot of hope that team USA is going to be able to take on Canada and take them down and take on any other country for that matter. So do we want to get into it? Do you want to do your forwards first? Do you want to do mine first? What do you want to do? Well, I'll just read mine, I guess. Okay. Part. Uh, so one thing in my team too, is it's a little bit younger. I very limited. I think maybe three guys that are, will be 30 mm-hmm. as tournaments played. So 
Kind of going to keep that in mind. That was something that I was going for. Uh, I have a first line of Jack Eichel centering Johnny Gaudreau and Pat Kane. That is also my first line. <laughs> <laughs> Second line of Austin Matthews centering Kyle Connor and Blake Wheeler. Okay. Third line of JT Miller centering the Kachuk brothers. And a fourth line of Dylan Larkin centering Max Pacioretty and Brock Besser. So I have four 30-plus guys on the team, actually. Okay. And who are your extras? And my extras are Jack Hughes and Clayton Keller. Okay, cool. I So I went with uh, a similar approach with keeping these guys young. Um, I think I actually might be a little bit a little bit younger than than your team is. Um, so as I had mentioned before, starting on my first line, I have Kane, Eichel, Goudreau. My second line, I have Kyle Connor, Austin Matthews, and Matthew Kachuk. My third line, I have Brock Besser, Dylan Larkin, and Brady Kachuk. And then my fourth line, I have Alex DeBrincat, Jack Hughes, and JT Miller. And my extras are Clayton Keller and Blake Wheeler. But the Blake Wheeler, Blake Wheeler is pretty much like interchangeable with Max Pacioretty to have like some uh, a veteran presence there. I forgot about DeBrincat. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm going to actually change that right now. And I'm going to put DeBrincat in Besser's spot on the fourth line. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to move Besser to extra and move Clayton Keller out. That's fair. Yeah, for me – I thought you know, I got everyone. But, well, yeah, no, DeBrincat uh, is definitely uh, for sure going to be a fixture on that team. Yeah. And I, I feel think, like Tim Murray because I forgot about DeBrincat. Oh, don't. That one, that one hurt my soul. Um, but I, I think it's interesting that, you know, you and I both kind of had three similar players who were like the fringe guys, which is Clayton Keller um, – I mean, my like one of my extras, which again, this is strictly due to where he might be in two years, is Blake Wheeler, and then also Max Pacioretty is right there for me too. Wheeler, right now, I believe he's he's thirty five, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, and that's that's tough. I mean, it, today, like I said, like if the, if the tournament was happening today, he's on my roster, not even thinking about it, of course, because of how effective he is. Same could be said for Max Pacioretty too. He's putting up another, like, I mean, he was on track to have another 70 plus point season. Um, you know, Blake Wheeler, I think was just under a point per game, two guys that for one, you're getting, you know, your experience there from prior Olympics. Also just like veteran leadership too, just to have, those are both guys who have, who have worn letters. Um, of course, Wheeler now is the captain of Winnipeg and I believe Pacioretty has an A with, with Vegas. Um, but the NHL is, it, it's getting faster and the Olympics are, are the epitome of that. Um, and I, I wonder, you know, it's, a, it's unbelievable that Blake Wheeler is still going at the rate that he's going with his style of play, because as we know, you know, power forwards in the NHL who are big body and are really physical, they tend, the wear and tear really tends to build up, you know, look no further than Jamie Benn, whereas a few years ago, he's one of the premier players in the league. And now he has fallen off pretty substantially. Um, so those are, you know, the, I, I think Wheeler, Pacioretty, it really is going to be a toss up for who's going to still be, you know, playing at a higher level when that time comes. With that being said, though, looking back at the rest of the lineup, uh, right now for the guys who would be on my starting lineup, I think that Kane is going to be the only one who's going to be above 30 by the time we get there. Um, you know, play into your youth. Jack Hughes is going to be great. We know that. Um, I mean, going down the middle, Eichel, Matthews, Larkin, and Jack Hughes is the, as we said before, that's the best that team USA has had in quite some time and, you know, we don't even know where Hughes is going to be two years from now. People have said, yeah, he's had a little bit of a disappointing season, but 
I recently, it just kind of like, it, it kind of happened while we've been, you know, self uh, quarantining and everything and social distancing that I actually came across um, a, a montage of Jack Hughes from the season of plays where, you know, it didn't necessarily lead to goals, but just kind of stuff that like, eventually this is going to, these shots are going to start going in or these moves are going to start working and everything. And Oh my God, he is the real deal and he's going to be great. Um, so you're set at center there really. And then on the wings, yeah, you have guys that are a mix between speed and also who have a little bit of bite to them, you know, and the Kachuk brothers I think are going to be awesome to watch in the Olympics. Um, I mean, if they do end up on the same line, like how you had, that will be so entertaining to watch every time they go out. Yeah. And I think I tried to also make this a little bit of a, a team that would kind of make sense playing together. Um, and we had the same idea with the first line, which I think is those guys are all incredibly skilled. Uh, two of them are pretty fast. Pat Kane's not exactly the fastest guy around. and uh, But he's, he makes he's up for it. <laughs> yeah. All of them are incredible with the puck on their stick. They're incredible passers, shooters. Uh, they any of them are capable of, you know, I mean, Kane has an MVP. Eichel was in the conversation. He wasn't going to someday in the conversation. Yeah. And Goudreau is one of the best offensive players in the league too. Uh, that's not the strongest line to put up against in, in its own zone, obviously. But the third line, I think, is if you're trying to protect a lead kind of line while still having some ability to score. Because I think Miller and the Kachucks are – they're kind of tougher, yeah. better. Miller's really your best defensive center here, which is Kyle why Connor goes into that equation too, with how great of a two-way player he yeah. is. Yeah, and that's kind of why I stuck Kyle Connor with Matthews and Wheeler. I know Wheeler would be older by that point, but I think his job in this case might be more setting up Matthews. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Matthews is probably the best goal scorer on the team, uh, and then you have Kyle Connor there as well. Uh, for he can pretty much do everything, and then. In my, my fourth line is – so Larkin's obviously another – he's fast, he's skilled. And now that I have with Dabrinkit, I feel way better about this fourth line. Right, right. Because um, Pacioretty, I was kind of like teetering on the edge, like do I include him or not? But I feel like I have to because he's still good right now and he probably won't be the same guy in two years. But I'm kind of unconvinced by a lot of the younger guys. I know you're trying, we're trying to project and Jack Hughes has incredible skill, but he hasn't done it yet like at all. Besser has been good, not great. So I kind of wanted to bet on Pacioretty's goal-scoring ability above his. And then you have, like, Keller, Kevin Hayes, guys like that that are good. But Did you have Kevin Hayes on your team? No, he's one of the guys I left out. Okay, yeah. Well, do we want to talk about that, some of the guys who we have in the conversation? Um, I yeah. mean, just to start – so I had Keller as my extra. I know you just knocked him off. You know, of course, coming into this season, he had gotten that huge contract extension um, that I think raised some eyebrows from people who maybe didn't necessarily agree with it as much. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, he's a top 10 pick and he's shown he has a lot of a, a lot of promise, but um, the contract may have been a bit pricey. I like him a lot. I know. I mean, to me, I think that he's going to grow into it. Um, and a lot of times with these contracts, yeah, you are kind of you with younger guys like maybe you do overpay a little bit and then they eventually grow into the contract. And by the end of it, you have a steal, you know? Um, I think that's at least probably the argument that I, I guess bringing it back locally. Um, that's kind of what I thought of with the whole Sam Reinhardt situation three years ago, when we were looking at having to give him an extension, you know, I would have rather given him a seven year deal or an eight year deal and just hope he, well, that's what they did with Eichel. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what you do. You, you kind of have to bank on it, but I think that Keller, like his speed and his playmaking ability definitely would translate well. Um, some other guys that I, I was thinking of, um, Jake Gensel. I mean, he has obvious, he's young. Um, he has experience playing with high end guys, you know, with Crosby and Malkin on Pittsburgh. He has, uh, experience playing in big games, of course, as he's a, a two time Stanley cup champion. Um, you know, then you have, as we mentioned before, TJ Oshie, again, it depends on where he's going to be with just like the wear and tear. He plays a bit of a power forward style and he's, he'll be 37. Yeah. And that's right. Exactly. That's Cause he already is falling off a little bit you, and you'd look him around for the shootout stuff. Right. He's incredible at it. But you have other guys now. Yeah. Yeah. I think at this point, Oshie was kind of a no brainer to leave yeah. off for me. And then uh, the only other two I had just to just throw them in there that were considerations, but they were considered because of the fact that they're solid, not, they didn't really have, I guess, a realistic chance when stacking up against the other guys who are more skilled players. But I had Chris, uh, Chris Kreider and Kyle Palmieri as my other ones too. Yeah. Same. Uh, also, I guess uh, we should talk about uh, kind of a ghost from the past, Phil Kessel. Yeah. Uh, he, absolutely should have been on the team in 2016 for the world cup and he absolutely should not be on any teams going forward he's yeah his days are behind him he had a huge dip in points this year he's yeah i think that's it because i mean the thing is with him he was never kind of like pat kane and bobby ryan never uh, he's kind of a straight up bad in his own zone all yeah. of them are. uh and he made up for it because he was one of the best goal scorers in the nhl for probably 10 years i guess he had 92 points a couple years ago. Yeah, now he's – I mean, it's kind of useless now. Yeah. If you're, if you're not going to be that guy and you're terrible in your own zone, and you cost a ton of money. Um, yeah, so he's he's not – he will not be on uh, either of our teams. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Should we move on to defensemen? We should. Well, defensemen – I mean, obviously the forwards are a little bit more, f- like, flashier to pick and are exciting. But, my God, this defensive corpse – is really exciting like long are the days of jack johnson being on team usa because team you as as good as their forwards are the defensive unit that they could put out there is stacked i only have um i'm gonna have two guys on this who will be i think 30 by that time i know one i think the other one who i have is, is potentially gonna be but sticking with youth here um I'll go first on this for mine. Uh, my pairings that I had, Seth Jones and Zach Warinsky starting off with Columbus's top pair. Um, I mean, Seth Jones is one of the premier defensemen in the NHL. Zach Warinsky just is an incredible offensive defenseman. You know, he had missed a bit of time this year. Uh, he, I believe, had missed, you know, uh, I think like 10 to 15 games. Um, but regardless of that, he – he scored 20 goals as a defenseman. Wow. He, he put up 20 goals, 21 assists for 41 points in 63 games. So you know what you're getting there. I mean, they're an incredible, they, you could probably make the case that that's the best defensive pairing in the entire NHL. Um, my second pairing, I'm going with a nice mix with a pure scoring offensive defenseman and John Carlson, who's my elder statesman of the defensive core with paired up with arguably the best defensive defenseman in the NHL, who I think has kind of taken this mantle from Nicholas Yarmelson and Jacob Slavin from Carolina. 
Um, Slavin plays an incredible two-way game. He obviously, you know, I, I can talk, anybody could talk until, you know, the end of the day for, for hours about how great he is in his own zone, but he also is great in transition with getting the puck out of his own zone. Um, you know, he is a steady presence for that Carolina team that doesn't have exactly the best goaltending. Uh, but my God, he is, he is great on, in both ends of the ice. So I, I love that for a second pairing. And then my third pairing, um, one pure offensive guy and a guy who leans offensive, but again, it's a nice mix between a youth and, and, a, uh, you know, a veteran. And that is Quinn Hughes, uh, who has, you know, along with Cal McCarr taken the NHL by storm this season. Um, who's just electric with the puck on a stick. He's, you know, and for him being an offensive defenseman, um, he's great in his own zone too. He's solid in his own zone. He's only going to get better there. Uh, again, similar, um, you know, to pretty much all the guys on this list, great in transition. And then my other one to go along with him is Tory Krug uh, from Boston, where you have a bit of experience there, a veteran presence um, who maybe leans a little bit on the offensive side, but is solid in both ends. And then my extra, this was really, really, really tough for me because there are like five guys who could honestly be the extra or fit in for maybe Tory Krug um, as well. But I had Charlie McAvoy as my extra. Um, and I'm excited to kind of get into the conversation, guys, who are some of the extra ones after we go through yours because I think that there's a really good debate here that's maybe not as cut and dry as the forwards or the goalies are. So who, who did you have for your top six and your extra? So my top pairing, kind of adding to what we have with the top line, is John Carlson and Zach Wawenski. And I know that you might not think that they should be together because they're both offensive guys. I don't know if that would maybe work or not, but just starting a game with Carlson, Wawenski, Gaudreau, Eichel, and Pat Kane on the ice – ridiculous yeah and the passing ability the ability to score there yeah that it'd be it'd be really hard to stop um and it'd be kind of anti what they've been doing for the past i don't know however many years now which they need to do yeah uh i have a second pairing of uh quinn hughes and jacob slavin which uh obviously quinn hughes you assume both guys will be better by this time around slavin is yeah very good I actually guy. love that second pair. That, that's a really, really good second pair. I kind of want to change mine around now because that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully by that point you think uh, Hughes will be really good, like one of the better ones in the league. Right. And then you have my third one is going to be Charles McAvoy and Seth Jones, which both really, really good players. Both yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, McAvoy especially probably will be even further improved by that point. Might even be Boston's number one defenseman at that time. Yeah. Seth Jones is already incredible, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and then, so I thought with the extra is this is a pretty young defensive team outside of Carlson. And I have, I'm not mistaken. I don't think Carlson's ever played in an Olympics. Uh, I, I don't think he's played in an Olympics, but I mean, I know he's played in like world championships and stuff like that. Yeah. I think same for Krug too. Yeah. So my thought was to kind of add a veteran. So one thing I didn't talk about before is having a captain, basically, of each group. Uh, that's a thought I had. And uh, the obvious one for forwards would be Pat Kane because he's been to the Olympics twice. Uh, and he one of the older ones. He yeah. might be the best American hockey player of all time. Uh, and then on the defense, you don't really have one in that main six. So my thought would be someone who's been there, maybe by this point is definitely older, but still I think will be at least solid in Ryan Suter. 
Of course. So he's the extra. And I know pe- people would think like, oh, if you're a captain, you kind of have to play. That's been an argument. Uh, if you if you wear a letter, you have to play kind of a deal. We've, we've, we've talked about that this year a little bit, mm-hmm. why it's harder to bench guys who wear in letters. So to me, though, I think if you're really a leader, you should be fine with this, knowing full well that you're not one of the six best American defensemen. Right. And I think maybe he would be. And he'd probably maybe if, if that opportunity was presented to him, I think he would take it and still be a valuable resource for everyone around him there. Um, so, yeah. Who are some guys that you thought about? So that's Ryan Suter was definitely one that I kept going back and forth on for the reasons that you mentioned, just with like the veteran presence there. Again, he's been to multiple Olympics. He's played on big stages um, and he's still solid. I mean, he's still is, is producing a bit. Uh, I'm trying to think of, of whereabouts he was at this year. Uh, yeah. I mean, so this season, 48 points in 69 games. Um, you know, he's obviously the go-to guy for Minnesota for their defense along with Matthew Dumba. Um, but I, I just have some trouble with it for a couple of reasons. For one, I think again, in terms of projecting out for like the two years from now, on the one hand, you have to think about it from, he's going to be deteriorating a bit in terms of like the quality of his play, but also the guys who are going to be coming up through the ranks. Um, so it's tough because we don't really exactly know where some of these guys are going to be. Um, starting off for some of my in the conversation guys, two off the bat from the New York Rangers, Adam Fox and Anthony D'Angelo, um, who both had, I, I think people were kind of just waiting for Adam Fox to get in the league. He's a name that obviously has been thrown around a lot. He moved, uh, he, he came over uh, to New York. I believe he was in Calgary previously. And then he finally signed his contract and was with the New York Rangers. Put up a great rookie season um, with 42 points in 70 games, eight goals, 34 assists, which is great. But D'Angelo really kind of came out of nowhere. Um, Not so much out of nowhere, but like how effective he was this year. He was the second leading American defenseman in terms of scoring this season. He put up 15 goals and 38 assists for 53 points. He had more points. He has the same amount of points as Quinn Hughes. Um, He's 24 years old, so he's young, but at the same time, he's still, you know, he's not too young. Um, And I think, you know, with those two, and actually also speaking of the New York Rangers, Jacob Truba, you know, if you want to potentially look for a guy who, is who gives you a little bit of that veteran presence by the time those Olympics come around, he's going to be 27. So, you know, it's it's, young. yeah, it's still young, but at the same time, like he has a lot of experience under his belt. He started in the league when he was, was pretty young. I believe when he was still a teenager. Um, so, I mean, you have the three defensemen from the New York Rangers there who really kind of jumped out at me on top of that. If you want to look at some other guys who, you know, are just who would be, I guess, like solid extra guys to have, um, from like a two-way defensive defenseman perspective where they're good skaters, they're good in their own zone, and they're serviceable enough in the offensive zone. Um, there's three that kind of came to mind for me. Um, Noah Hannafin of the Calgary Flames. He's really young still. Um, you know, I, I think that there's also a lot of camaraderie there with those guys. You know, he came up through the ranks with Eichel and Matthews, and I know that him and Eichel, I'm pretty sure, are, are really close friends. Uh, as is the case with all of those USA guys who came up through the program. Uh, Also, Cam Fowler, you're going to get a little bit more of a veteran presence there. He's 28 years old. He still has been consistent for Anaheim. He's a mainstay on their blue line in their top four. Um, And then finally, the only other one that I had that he's had a bit of a down year this year due to a change in scenery. 
Um, you know, we'll see next season if that's just due to the, the transition or if it's just maybe his game has fallen off a bit. But if you want to look at a guy who's had international experience, Justin Falk um, of the St. Louis Blues. A little bit of a down year this year. was definitely disappointing just considering – his offensive prowess, but, uh, you know, he's going on to a St. Louis team that is extremely deep when it comes to their defensemen and just deep in general. And so, um, you know, that could attribute to potentially why he had a little bit of a down year, but those were like my main outside guys looking in. Did you have any other ones? No, I mean, I think there's a generation of guys you're moving on from at this right. point. Uh, especially if Suter's not in that he'd be part of that too, but the Keith Yandel and Kevin Shattenkirk guys. Totally. Yeah. They uh, they probably should have been able to get their last ride in 2018, and they didn't. So now, that's kind of sayonara for them. And the not, yeah, you mentioned a lot of good young guys. So and one other one that we didn't mention, and while I I probably could have, you know, while we're talking about the Rangers and, and Jacob Truba, who I, I think has really kind of been a pleasant surprise, is is Neil Poink from Winnipeg. Um, oh, yeah. A, a huge, you know, weakness of that Jets team coming into this season and really still throughout the season was their defensive corps. I mean, we know what happened with, with Dustin Bufflin. They had to rush Vinny Hainola, who was their first-round pick this year, who was a pick in, like, the 20s to play, you know, like, early on in the season, which is pretty much unheard of, like, anybody outside of, like, the top 10 getting playing time yeah. out of the gate. Um, yeah, they lose Truba. Truba is who he was traded for. And so, yeah. you know, people are like, and oh, Tyler Myers left as well. Right. So you lose Myers also. The Truba trade happens, and everybody, the sentiment is like, oh my God, you're giving up J- Jake Truba, who is this solid young defenseman who New York then signed to an eight year deal. And all you're getting back is Neil Poink, who is, you know, was thought of as like a nice prospect, but not anything really to write home about. Not like an Adam Fox, for example. Um, but he's, he really kind of came into his own this season. He's only 24 years old, and he put up 45 points in 71 games. So I think he's somebody that you have to keep on the radar as well, too. Yeah, and so we were talking about Winnipeg. That kind of brings us nicely to the goalie segment. Oh, yeah. there is. I would have to imagine that you and I have the exact same three goalies and that anybody and everybody – really? Okay. I don't think we do. Come on. I think we have the first two, Sam. Okay, who do you got? So my starter will be Connor Hellebuck. Okay. Uh, and his, uh, I guess, the backup, who you also conceivably could be the starter by the time 2022 rolls around, is John Gibson. Yeah, that could be the same flip at that point. Yeah, just, I mean, last year at this time, I'd say Gibson. Yeah, sure. But Hellebuck could theoretically not, well, I don't know if it's going to happen, but he probably should get Vesna looks. Uh, Vesna, he, he should get heart looks. He probably should. I really think that Connor Hellebuck deserves heart votes. Yeah, because we've talked about this year, it's almost the opposite situation in Buffalo. Buffalo did a decent job around the goalie, like right. not uh, not allowing too many shots, you know, making sure the shots weren't good shots. And it didn't matter. A million goals went anyway. They were the opposite. Like we, their, their defense was decimated, like we said. They, they were getting destroyed. Like, I mean – like they're probably one of the worst teams in the league in terms of stopping quality shots and didn't matter. Connor Hellebuck has had an unbelievable save percentage and single-handedly kept them, not only kept them out of the bottom five, but kept them in a playoff spot. So if the playoffs ever actually happen, they might be in it despite having one of the worst defensive cores in the league. Uh, so he, to me right now, that puts him ahead. Of course, Gibson could always easily just pass him. It's in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of, 
behind a bad team that gets he has to face a lot of shots. Not having the best year, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Who's your third guy? Because I think I know who your third guy is, but who is it? I want to know who. Well, I for my third, I was thinking about it in terms of so Hellybuck and Gibson are both 26. By the time this tournament comes around, they'll be 28. They've been they both been in the league for a while. They're proven. They don't necessarily need like a veteran presence there. Um, but for the third, and you know, there's pretty much considering the fact that there it's a toss up for who would be the starter between the two of them. There's really no conceivable way that like the third goalie is even going to get a look, but. I wanted somebody that, like, you could turn to who I would believe in, you know, if you had to, for whatever reason, go to your third goalie, a guy who can really take over a game. Uh, And I went with Ben Bishop. He's 33 right now. But with that being said, though, he'll be 35 by the time the tournament comes around. The way that his career has kind of gone on is he's gotten better with age and as as he's gone along. you know, obviously we know what he did with Dallas last year. He was great with them again this year, putting up solid numbers. Uh, and I think that I, I feel good about him going into it. Are there a couple of guys who I also considered for the third spot? Yes, but nobody who I felt had the body of work that would kind of stack up against Ben Bishop and say, I'd be more comfortable having them there than him. So who was yours? Because I'm very curious about this. All right, so a couple things to start. It's Ryan Miller, isn't it? So the third goalie doesn't play ever. Never. Pretty much. No, they're just – they're there for, I don't know, whatever reason, just in case, like, it's an emergency thing. It, just, it makes sense. Yeah. It's not like it hurts anything by having a third goalie there. The other thing is Gibson and Hellebuck, as I mentioned when I built my team, I kind of want – I wanted a young team, which I do have, but I want experience at every level. So with that being said, my third goalie is Ryan Miller. What? It really is? Yeah. yeah. Who will be 40 years old by that point, who probably will be retired from the NHL, I have to imagine. But, like I said, he doesn't have to play. Wow. Yeah. So, obviously, from a leadership perspective, that's good, whatever, handling pressure, all that, that he can bestow. Here's the other thing. I want him to be there. So, it's my yeah, God. Yeah, I like list. that. Wow. <laughs> I really um, didn't think you would have picked him, but I, I like low key love that. I mean, we don't know. He, who knows? Like he still was playing at like a decent level this season for Anaheim and Anaheim is bad. Like imagine Miller as being like the backup of like, like Colorado or something. But, yeah. I mean, they have a great backup. All right. But like a good team. I mean, you know, he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. Maybe a good team gives him a call and they sign him to a one or two year deal. Like yeah, maybe a team that uh, has a, couple goalies that don't seem like they're really good and they have a goalie that's you know a prospect but he's like a year or two away so I don't know. just spitballing here i would literally do anything for that to happen <laughs> no i love that pick though that i was i was thinking you were gonna try you were gonna say like thatcher demko or something to have like a young guy in there but like more like thatcher demko folks uh no, so so here's the thing too with miller uh He's probably – his run in 2010 is the best American hockey moments since 96. Yeah. And I think that'll be more than 25 years removed from that. So, it's, it'd be, it would just be cool to have him around. Another thing, too, is he, he wouldn't have been in 2018. He wouldn't have made the team. And he won't this year either, I should say. This is absolutely just a me thing. No, but I know. 2018, he wouldn't have made the team anyway. But he was kind of robbed of playing in the Olympics in 2006. 
he was, I think at that point, the best American goalie in the world. And they went with Robert Esch and Rick DiPietro. Right. They got what they deserved. True. So. Robert Esch is one of those guys that, you know how everybody has players that they just like irrationally don't like? Yeah. Robert Esch is one of those guys for me. Well, the Sabres kind of ended his career, which is nice. Exactly. They're listening, Bob. Yeah, go to hell. Anyway, (laughs) but like. Yeah, that, that sucked. Like, Asher was out of the league the next year, and DiPietro, I mean, he had injuries, but he was barely, like, around after 06, 07. So, yeah. that sucked. So, Miller should have played then. they make up for it by having him play 16 years later. Love and that. not play. Obviously, I want no part of him actually playing since uh, this team's big strength will be goaltending. And uh, he'll be 40, 41 years old at that point. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll have him be like, uh, you know, the goalie coach at that point or something if he's like freshly retired. Yeah. That, no, that's a great point, too. I mean, the, the third goaltending spot might as well be a goalie coach. No, it really, you're absolutely right. No, he, I mean, it's not like they would ever take the ice. And honestly, like, either way, like, even if one of those two, like, Helly Bucker Gibson, like, faltered off, like I said, it's a coin flip where you just put the other one in and you're getting, you know, a high end starter no matter what. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. Do you have a coach? Who do you got? So, a weird thing in the Olympics is they don't always use, like, a coach of the country's the country of origin, like Ted Nolan coached Latvia. Right. But anyway, I was thinking Barry Trotz. I feel like that probably makes sense. Yeah, he's American, isn't he? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. I don't know if he is or not. I think he's a really good coach, and I think he can adapt well. Oh, no, he's Canadian. Damn. Yeah. Oh, well, he's still my coach. <laughs> they have too many coaches. They can't use all of them. Uh, but he, he, I think he showed when he went to the Islanders and it was a very different team than the Capitals. And obviously I don't want this team to play like the Islanders, but he showed how quickly he can adapt and build a system that fits his talent. And I think he's a great coach. And I think someone like Quenville will probably be coaching Canada. So what's about, wait, let me see. I'm looking up some guys now who I think Phil Housley. Oh God. You know who is a name who came to mind that I was like, oh, my God, I could, like, low-key kind of see this happen? Rod Brindamore. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I could see that happening. He He's might part, not. He was part of, part of the team in 96, wasn't he? He might have. He very well could have been. Yeah, or, I mean, Mike Sullivan. He's American, isn't he? Yeah, it'll probably be Mike Sullivan. Hmm. Didn't yeah. they go with Bielsma in 2010? Was that 2010? It might have been. I know he – didn't he coach – I thought it was one of the World Cup teams. I don't know. John Cooper, he, is he Canadian? I imagine all of these guys are Canadian. Yeah. Dang. Wow. Huh, interesting. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, well, he's yeah I mean, I, I think either way, like, end, end of the day, a lot of these choices, you know, the pool that you have to choose from, assuming that they don't have, like, a monumental gap, like how they did with Abdulkader, you know – they're going to be in good shape. Um, I think they're going to be really deep, and I think that there's no reason why they can't really, you know, compete with these other teams, you know, the the powerhouses of Canada, Finland, Sweden, Russia. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting to check out. I mean, we'll have to, you know, I, I think this was a, a pretty fun exercise. Maybe it's something that we continue doing if we do want to, like, kind of dive into the other countries. Yeah. And, I, I mean, think about what Sabres at that point will be 
going to the Olympics. That'll, that's always interesting. Yeah, definitely. I assume Zemgis will still be a saver and Team Latvia will. Hell yeah, baby. Captain uh, Latvia. Yeah, I mean, like Reinhardt obviously would not be in. Unfortunately, Canada's too mm-hmm. good. Darlene. Darlene will be there. Ristolainen would be there. Um, we didn't mention Casey Middlestead today. <laughs> we didn't. And you know what's funny is that I kind of went through and was researching through some, and there was one from last year that had put Middlestad as like a dark horse to get in. Very dark horse. Yeah, very much so. Very optimistic of them. I'm trying to think of really who else. I mean, maybe not the 2022 Olympics, but the 2026, probably UPL will be the starter for Finland. No, maybe 2022. Uh, yeah, he very well could be. And maybe he's like their third one or something, because I think they have some pretty pretty solid uh, – Yeah. Let me let me take a look and see really quick with with Finland because they are an interesting one. They, yeah, I mean Tuka won't be there. Uh, you have Corpi Salo, um, UC Saros, but he's been kind of meh. Interesting. Yeah, Tuka. Uh, he'll be thirty four. He'll probably still be there. He'll absolutely be there. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. You never know. Maybe he will. Maybe uh, UPL will be like the third or something just to get him the experience. Yeah. All right. Well. That was fun. It's been a really good time. I, I enjoyed this. Uh, any last thoughts then at all, Taylor? Well, if people actually want a mailbag in the future, they're going to have to tweet questions at us. Yeah, we're going to really start it. harassing. Yeah. So if you actually want a mailbag, just start tweeting questions at, at Blue and Goldcast on Twitter. Please do. Yeah, we would love to do that. The last one we did was a ton of fun, and so I'd love to do another one. Yeah. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, everybody, thank you all so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out the Hockey Podcast Network online at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com, on Twitter at HockeyPodNet, and you can check us out on Twitter at Blue and Gold Cast. Also, we had mentioned this on our Twitter, but probably worth repeating at least. Uh, now the Hockey Podcast Network has separate feeds for all the shows, so be sure to go follow Blue and Gold Make Darlene. on spotify on apple Podcasts, wherever you listen follow us obviously follow all of ours and especially follow the hockey podcast network but follow blue and gold cast blue and gold make darlene we would very much appreciate it uh so yeah until next time everybody we'll be back uh a week from today uh for our monday episode for next week so in the meantime everybody once again stay safe stay indoors wash your hands and stock up on toilet paper So with uh, that being said, is it time for our random Sabres player of the episode? I think it is. All right. Well, we are going to share that with you all now in three, two, one, Michael Pekka. Pekka.